is up, golf addicts? Hey, we got an intro this week, switching it up on you. We really appreciate the download. Thanks again. Please uh, be sure and check us out at Twitter if you're not already following us at tour underscore junkies. Leave us a review on iTunes. We implore you to leave us a review on iTunes. It's 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 just huge for us. Hey, we're going to start off the show with an interview from Coach Josh Gregory. Josh coaches guys like Patrick Reed, John Peterson, Henrik Norlander, Carlos Ortiz, a bunch of different guys. He gave us a great interview, uh, really good stuff, a different perspective on the PGA Tour. And then, as always, Pat and I follow it up with the Tour Championship preview at Eastlake. We got a couple of TJ Hotline blings this week. It's some. Uh, we just had two really good submissions, so we thought, you know, why not? So we appreciate you downloading the show. As always, um, may your screens be green. Be sure and check out next week's show. Huge announcement. We might say a couple of things about it in this in this upcoming episode, but just do it, okay? Thanks. All right, golf addicts, welcome back to another episode of the Tour Junkies podcast. We are excited to bring on another guest to the show. Uh, we're going to bring on Josh Gregory, who's from Memphis, Tennessee. He graduated from SMU. He is uh, he won two national titles back to back as the Augusta State College uh, golf coach coach back in 2010 and 2011, which is an incredible accomplishment. He left for SMU in 2011, his alma mater, and then left uh, SMU in August of 2014, and he was the 2010 NCAA Coach of the Year. But now he's, he's, he's taking a different path, and he's uh, coaching a few players on tour. He's been coaching Henrik Norlander, also one of our favorites uh, out there, and, and, a, and a guest on this show, John Peterson, as well as doing some work with Patrick Reed and others as well. So just want to introduce Josh to the show. How you doing, Josh? I'm doing great. Thank y'all so much for having me. It's a long, long time, no talk, no see. So I miss all my buddies in Augusta. Well, we appreciate you coming out on, and uh, I, I know I've I've known you back when you were with Augusta State, and uh, you do great work. And uh, so let's just you know get into it. Tell our listeners, you know, just about yourself and 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 why they should care about you. You know, what what are you doing right now? What's your, you know, I know you're coaching, but just give us a little background right. on you. Well, I was was fortunate enough to uh, to play college golf for you, and and then uh, I tried to play professionally uh, for a couple of years, and realized real fast that that I wasn't good enough, and uh, didn't have the ability and didn't have the money to keep it going, and uh, I realized real fast that I, that I needed to get get uh, to do something else. So, uh, my passion was coaching; uh, it always was. It was the only other thing I knew I, I wanted to do. Um, I played for Hank Haney in college at, at SMU, one of the one of the best instructors in the world. So I learned. A ton from him. I learned a ton about work ethic and discipline and about the game, and and so I really thought uh, uh, that would be something I, I would I, I would could be good at and really wanted to get into. And uh, I sure didn't know what it entailed. Uh, I thought you pretty much just showed up at practice and and you drove the van, but that didn't. Uh, there was a lot lot more to it than that. So um, I was uh, my first ever job was at uh, NC State. I worked for Coach Sykes, who's a legend. He's in the Hall of Fame and. Um, he taught me everything I know about how to treat people and, and put your kids first. And if you love, if you love your kids and take care of them first, everything else takes care of itself. And, uh, so I worked for him for a couple of years and then I came to Augusta and, uh, worked there for nine, nine years and, and was very fortunate to, to follow a couple of great coaches ahead of me and coach Kelson, uh, who's now at Tennessee and then JC well, who's done a great job uh, at Alabama and, um, there for nine years. And we, we won back-to-back national championships in, in 2010 and, 
2011, uh, which we were, the, we were the first team to do that since uh, University of Houston back in 84 and 85. And uh, we, we had an awesome group, group of kids. Just an absolute, you know, it's kind of Cinderella story. And uh, especially to beat the teams that we beat along the along the road, you know, beating Oklahoma State on their home course and beating Georgia in the finals. Uh, you can beating Georgia Tech a couple of years back to back. You couldn't really uh, dream of a better script. So uh, from there, went on to SMU for for, for three years and, and kind of rebuilt the program there and got it going. And we, we made it to the quarterfinals and, and the NCAA championships in, our, in, in my third year. And, and then just kind of decided hey, it's time to time to move on and, and try to see if I can uh, do this at a different level. And uh, I always thought there was a, there was a great need for coaching uh, at the professional level or even at the junior level, collegiate uh, level, amateur level, whatever it may be. Um, there's, there's so many great instructors out there, but I really thought that, that there was a need for just pure coaching and not just flat out technique, not just flat out instruction. And uh, tried to give it a, give it a go and really really didn't know where it was headed. Um, was fortunate enough to to, to kind of reunite with uh, what well, always been close with Henrik and always helped Henrik Norlander, who was. Uh, one of my uh, uh, one of my studs at, at Augusta State who helped us win back to back titles, and I was really close with him. And, and then got a phone call from Patrick Reed, uh, who I coached at Augusta State, and, and asked me to do some work with him for, for the past year. And uh, that kind of kicked kicked things off a little bit, and and um, really tried to do what I'd always loved, which is coaching, but try to do it at a different level. And um, I'll, I'll be candid with you; I was pretty scared at first. I, I knew I could coach juniors. I knew I could coach college kids but i didn't know if i could work with some of the best players in the world so again you're talking about the coaching and it seems like there's kind of a difference between actually teaching the swing and then coaching a player so you know right. talk a little bit about that process and how you sort of start with somebody like john peterson or reed and then what's the you know you got you know we're obviously big college football fans nick saban always right. talks about the process you know so what is right. your process look like and how does that look for the for the player well, I think first and foremost, it's a relationship. Uh, I, I've always coached through relationships, and, and I've always tried to become my player's friend first, coach second. Uh, and whether that's right or wrong, it, it, it's it's worked for me. Uh, I've never been really good at being the bad guy. I've never really been good at being, good at being a disciplinarian. That's just not my style. I don't like to yell and scream. I'm not I'm not good at that. Uh, I usually cry if I get mad at a kid. So uh, it's just not 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 a good deal for me. So uh, it's, it's through relationships. Uh, you know, getting to know the kid, getting to know or the the player. You know, getting to know his learning style. I mean, I've always said uh, there, there's kind of uh, two types of players. There, there's one kid that needs a kick in the butt, and there's one kid that needs needs a pat on the back. And it's your job as a coach to figure out you know when they need it and which style of kid that player is. There's also players that love to play there's players that love to practice and you've got to try to find a way to, to, to mix that in and uh, it's just a uh, it's a getting to know the person getting to know their personality first and foremost before you can figure out coaching uh, whether I coach whether how I coached in college golf or whether how I coach players now I don't coach any person the exact same way there, there's no method uh, to what I do golf is an individual sport uh, that's the way I always coached in, in college golf um, I never had any team rules uh, I didn't believe in team rules. I believed in individual rules because everybody's different. And, and golf is not a, golf is not a team sport. It's, it's an individual game. And so I tried to coach each individual the best I could. And if I could get the best out of each individual, I figured my uh, team would take care of itself. And I honestly only had two rules ever. I said, uh, "Tell me the truth, and we wear pants." That was my only that was my only two rules. So uh, I didn't I didn't believe in team rules. I didn't believe in team practice either. So, uh, it, it's just honestly, it, it's coaching. You know, coaching each individual, taking their personality. Uh, I do a lot of work via stats. I do a lot of work 
uh, you know, trying to trying to maximize the player's strengths and, and trying to minimize their weaknesses and make their weaknesses even better. And uh, it, it's a, it's been really a, a cool process for me and an amazing, you know, experience for me over the past year and learning. You know, I learned just as much from Patrick Reed and John Peterson and Kelly Craft and Hendrick Norlander and Carlos Ortiz, all these these guys that I'm working with that have been on the PGA Tour that are on the PGA Tour. And, and you know, I learn a lot from them. Hopefully, hopefully they learn a lot from me as well. But it, it's a learning process. And, and in the, the, the best way I can define the difference between a, a coach and, and an instructor is, is a coach works with the players. It's kind of it, it's more of a team environment. An instructor is more of tell, telling you what to do and this, this is how you should do things. And as a coach, it's work, it's really working together. And, and obviously, there's a there's a technical component to any form of coaching and, and teaching, uh, but but at the same time, it, it's very performance based. Um, a lot of skills, a lot, a lot of games, a lot of competitions. You know, trying to make my guys practice as, as competitive as they possibly can, so somewhat simulate the pressure that they're going to have on Saturday and Sunday. You know, on tour. I did. You mentioned something interesting because uh, we talk a lot of stats on our show because we and I wasn't really going to ask this, but now that you mentioned it, I, I want to bring it up. But um, you know, because we we're, we're most of our show is fantasy golf and picking players, and we like <laughs> to look at the stats and, and all of that. So. What tends to be the most, you know, important stats that you're focusing on when you're coaching a player? Well, this is where I've kind of taken a kind of a holistic approach to the game, and this is where I've kind of dumbed it down. And this this is going to sound really dumb, but it's but it's really true. I ask every single player when I first meet meet with them, it's Patrick Reed or whether it's Hendrick Norlander, or Kelly Craft, John Peterson, whoever it may be, or a 12 year old kid that's trying to make his high school golf team. I simply ask him one question. I say, guys, I said. You know, there are four four physical aspects of the game. You've got your full swing, you've got chipping, pitching, bunker, you've got your distance wedges, and you've got putting. Those are the four phases. How many times? How many times have you ever spent equal amount of time in all four areas of, of the game in one day? But think about it. Why don't we do that? Mm-hmm. Makes makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense to me. But trust me, I never did. It. I tried to play. I've never coached a kid who's done it who's done it that way. But it makes a whole lot of sense. I mean, if you're, you know, I believe there's two ways that you can be great on tour. You either have to do something exceptionally well, you have to hit it as far as Dustin Johnson does, or you have to be an, an incredible putter like like a Patrick Reed, a Brant Snedeker, or a Jordan Spieth, for for example. But you can also make it and be just very good in, in all areas. Uh, and I think that's where the majority of good players fit in. They fit into that mold, very solid in, in all areas. So I don't think there's really one stat that's more important than others. Um, you know, I've always been biased. I've always struggled driving the golf ball, so I've always said total driving would be would be the stat I would want to leave in, lead in, which would be just just plus accuracy because I think it's pretty hard to screw it up uh, when when you're when you're in the fairway, you know, 150 yards in on every single hole. It's pretty hard to mess up the game. But having said that, uh, trying to look at you know at every at every single statistical category, how are we going to improve in each of those areas? And I'm convinced that if you spend equal time in those four areas of the game, and in addition to those areas, there's there are different ways to practice in those areas. You've got your, your technical aspects, you've got your kind of one ball random practice, and then the part that we all miss out on that we never do, which is what I've seen the biggest improvement of guys, is the competitive aspect. Trying to make practice competitive, setting up games, setting up drills, setting up competitions to make it hard on yourself. To make it where you actually have some pressure and you feel a little bit of you know that anxiety, that stress that you're going to have during the tournament, and that uh, uh, you know I wish I, would, I wish somebody would have grabbed me by the collar and told me how to practice like this. You know, I'm 41. I wish somebody would have told me at 22 uh, how to practice like this because I've seen some, some guys that have uh, uh, made, made a really really quick jump in, in, in their games 
by, by really kind of dumbing it down and simplifying it. It's not rocket science. Trust me, I'm not that good. I'm not that smart. I've been fortunate to coach a lot of really good players, but uh, just trying to dumb it down, uh, coach kids, you know, the way I would, the way I would want to coach them and really put them in situations that are kind of outside their comfort zone and make, make it hard on them. And, and so therefore, as I tell them every day, look, I, I don't want you to leave practice physically tired. I want you to leave mentally tired. Uh, there's guys that put in eight, 10 hours a day. Well, you're putting in eight and 10 hours a day, but you're not, it's not structured and you're not doing it the right way. Then they're just wasting your time. If you've accomplished everything we need to accomplish in those four hours, then, then go home. Go work out. Go be with your wife. Go do what you got to do. So, you know, we mentioned John Peterson's been on the show and we've been following him. We knew he had the wrist surgery and all that. So, you know, how's he coming along? It looks like he's been, you know, kind of jumped in pretty well on the web, on the, the web.com events he's been playing. But what, you know, what are the strengths of his game? And uh, the strength, strength of his game is, is, is uh, hunting and fishing. He'd probably much rather uh, be shooting a gun out <laughs> True. Than, 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 than playing golf. But, uh, you know, that's who he is. And that's, that's what I love about him. He, he, uh, he, lo- he lo- loves the game of golf and he wants to, and he wants to be great at it, but it, but it's not his only, his only passion. Uh, in the world, and he's not afraid afraid to tell you about it either. So, uh, but from a golf standpoint, he he was won the NCAA championships when we were at uh, Carson Creek in 2000, 2010 and has been on the tour for a couple of years, and then got uh, you know finished fourth in the U.S. Open at the Olympic Club. Um, he's a phenomenal ball striker. He's probably one of the top, um, I would say, twenty five to thirty you know ball strikers out there when you when you look at uh, look at ac- accuracy and proximity to hole. Uh, you know, not a long hitter by any stretch, but hits it far enough, hits it solid, hits it very straight. Uh, one of the straightest hitters you're, you're going to find. Um, his weaknesses were, you know, his weaknesses were, were his wedge play and, and his chipping and putting. Uh, we had, so we've had, we spent a lot of work on that. There's many, many times when we work that we spend maybe four hours a day and, and he doesn't ever hit, doesn't even ever hit a full shot. Uh, his golf swing is about as sound as, as I've ever seen, but he just needed a lot of structure in his short game, somebody to push him, somebody to hold him accountable. Uh, to try to become one, one of the better players in the world. So, um, you know, for, for not playing in over a year, he's played in two web.com events. Had a chance to, uh, to win last week uh, uh, in Cleveland. Got in contention, kind of got the juices flowing and had a chance a couple holes to, to go if he made a couple birdies to win. And, uh, you know, didn't get it done. But at the same time, um, for not playing in, in, in a year, it's, it's pretty darn good. He's, he's getting better. Uh, and he's getting better in all the areas that, that, he, that he needed to uh like I said, he didn't need much work with his ball striking, but he needed a lot of work from 120 yards in. And that's, that's truly what I love coaching. And that's where uh, kind of my specialty is. And that's where we've, we've worked really hard. And uh, John can be a great player on tour for, for many years to come. He just had to get better uh, in, in that area. And uh, he's got the belief. Uh, he plays with, with no fear, hits it as good, hits it as solid as anybody, but he just literally had to buy in to saying, all right, if I want to be a tour lead, I've got, I've got to uh, get a lot better from 120 yards in and, uh, you know, change, uh, change a little little bit of his attitude and emotions as well he, he can he can run a little hot at times and uh that's okay that's who he is but uh he's got to learn that uh not not every, not every flag is a, is a green light and and not every not every par five is, is a go forward and two and that's a, that can be a challenge at times we get a few little disagreements about that but uh slowly he's uh he's learning that uh he needs to play boring golf very simple golf for him to be an elite player out there well, man, we, we love John, and we love having fun <laughs> with him. Uh, so here's here's a question I just want to ask, and you be honest here, man. So oh, tell uh, me, okay, okay, so how do you, when, when you're on the range with John Peterson, and you got to get that boy to focus and quit thinking yeah. about the woods, his dog, or <laughs> um, his incredibly gorgeous girlfriend, 
Um, yes, and I don't know how he pulled that off. I asked him. Every I day mean, my, so. my, my yeah. God. David, that's so, Beyonce now. It's Beyonce now, buddy. Beyonce, Beyonce exactly. Getting um, married, uh, sometime in December, I believe. So I've got the invitation at my house, but I don't know when. So. Uh, he told me uh, I had to wear a tuxedo. I don't believe in tuxedos, but we'll see about that. <laughs> so ha- what kind of, what do you do to make it competitive for John? If you guys are out there by yourself, what do, what are you telling him to do on the range? You know, honestly on, on the range, you know, when we're actually on the range working on his golf swing per se, there's only one or two things that he really needs to focus on, but where he is at his best is when he is fully engaged and, and challenged himself to hit different shots. And that's what I'm, you know, you see too many guys sit on the range, get the same shot over and over and over again, trying to groove their technique. And, and that's where we all kind of get going down the wrong path. And, and guys got to get better at hitting shots. And that's where he's at his best. He'll tell you, he gets bored. He loses interest. He's, he's got an eight iron from 150 yards to a center flag or nine iron from 150 yards to a center flag. He, he's bored. Uh, you give him a, you know, hit a high cut to a back right flag or a high draw to a back left flag, he gets, he gets excited. And I call, I use the word engaged a lot. He gets engaged. It, it engages his mind. Uh, and so that's what we do a lot. We do a lot of uh, games like that on, on the range and, and definitely within our, within, within the short game as well. I just, he's a very competitive person. He loves to win. He wants to kick your butt. Uh, he, he wants, he wants to beat you badly. And so that's where he's really enjoyed and kind of embraced the, the environment that I provided for him, which is a competitive environment. That's who he is. He's not a guy that loves sitting on the range for four hours. He's not a guy that loves sitting on the fighting green and practicing. He wants to, you know, he wants to compete. And you think about that as a kid in every sport, whatever we played, whether it's basketball, football, baseball, or golf, you practice to compete. You don't practice to practice. So yeah. Therefore, let's, let's make, let's make competitive, let's make practice as competitive as possible so we can remotely, uh, you know, simulate what's going to happen, what's going to happen on tour. And, and next thing you know, you're doing these games, you're doing these competitions and you've been out there for a couple hours and, and you've been grinding away, but you don't even really know you've been out there because you've been having fun. You're trying to you know, get back to doing things as if you did when you were a kid, when you were chipping a butt of yours for a quarter or a Coke or a hot dog or, or whatever it may be. Well, I was going to say, you know, if there's any kind of punitive damage that you, that you put on, on John if he doesn't do something right, you know, I would want to know if you would allow the poor junkies to maybe determine a punishment yes. for him in a, in a future yes. practice session. I think that would be yes. fun. I think that um, would be awesome. I think, cool. I think for every time he for every time he three putts or misses a misses a wedge, uh, misses a green with a wedge, y'all are entitled to do anything y'all need to do to him, and yeah, probably yeah. be taking shotguns away from that. Probably be about the worst thing. <laughs> so we'll talk. Uh, we'll talk after about that. that that'd be fun. <laughs> and, and also, you know, we we need a we need to arrange a, some kind of referral credit, maybe a rewards program, as we <laughs> as we talk to tour players who don't have coaches. If we love them your way, because I kind of feel like we should have, we should have talked to John. We should have been like, John, you know, (laughs) Josh is out here, you know, he's, he's from Augusta. He's a good old boy. He's from Tennessee, you know, he's from the South kind of thing. We should have connected you guys. And then we could be, you know, maybe we could have some kind of revenue sharing thing when he starts winning money again or what, you know, I don't know. I'm down, I'm down Um, to help out my buddies and my buddies and friends, (laughs) but, uh, don't give me too much credit on being a good boy. I'm still a city uh, on a good old boy. I'm still a city guy. I've never shot a gun in my life, so I wouldn't know what. To oh do. no! He, he's uh, he's he's told me we got to get out this winter and and, uh, and, and go hunting. But uh, I don't know, man. I don't know if you ever heard the Ron, the Ron White comedian when he used to talk about hunting, and he said it's it's four in the morning, and it's too cold, and I really don't want to go. That's that's kind of my theory on hunting. That's uh, way too early in the morning for me. <laughs> 
All right, so let's we'll get into let's get into let's switch gears a little bit. We really wanted to, to spend some time talking with you about uh, about Patrick Reed and about um, you know specifically the Ryder Cup coming up. We're going. Uh, are you going to make it to the Ryder Cup? By the way, I'm not. I'm not certain yet. I I, I hope not to certain. be there, but uh, it's uh, we'll see. I, I I go where I'm told. Let's put it that way. I'll go where I'm yeah, at. Yeah. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so let me ask you. Uh, let, let me ask you. Quick question first, and then let's talk. Let's talk about some some other things. Um, I, I'm going to put you on the spot. Who would you put Patrick Reed with in each format if you could pick based on how well you know him? So, what player on the team now would you put him? You know, and would it be a different player for you know yeah. four ball or the alternate shot? Who would you put? I, I would four ball. I'd put it with Jordan Spieth, uh, yeah, one hundred percent, and an alternate shot, John. Uh, because I would I would love to see what Patrick Reed can do from Dustin Johnson's drive. Yeah, um, I yeah. think it'd be a phenomenal pairing. They both play with absolutely no fear. Uh, there's yep. never a flag that either one of them thinks they can't get at. Uh, especially the way Dustin is wedging, it was wedging his putting has been lately. It's been been pretty awesome. But uh, I would love to see uh, Patrick have the ability to to use his wedge game that he's worked so hard on this year and uh, to, to his advantage and, and play from some play from some of Dustin's drives. That would be that would be yeah. cool. Watch. Uh, you know, if if Bubba uh, gets on the team, uh, he and he and Bubba play a lot of practice rounds to, together. Uh, so I can see that being a fit. But I would be. Uh, I think it'd be crazy not to put Ian Jordan together with their success and their yeah, yeah. they've had together. And um, I'd love to see. Him, I'd love to see him play with Dustin. And they've they've been paired together the last two weeks uh, because of their FedEx rankings. So I think they've played a lot of golf together, get comfortable with each other, and I think that'd be a good fit. Yeah, that's good. What about? All right, this I don't think Dave is going to call me on that one. Though I wish he would, but. I don't think he's going to give me a shot on that one. <laughs> okay. Uh, we can talk to him for you if you want. Um, Thank God. Go back, that, go back to that rewards program thing. All right. So, <laughs> all right. Let me ask you this, though. If you had to pick one player on Team Europe for Patrick to face in a, you know, in the individual matches that you think would be the toughest for Patrick mm-hmm. to beat for whatever reason, who would that be? So, you know, this is probably going to, who's the yeah, guy that's carry the most? That would scare you the most. We know he's, uh, we know Patrick Reed's pretty fearless, but there's got to be yeah, one he's guy. Good. He's, he's not going to be. He's not going to be afraid of anybody. I think the guy that can just wear you out and just you know he would would be would be Stenson just because yeah. he's never going to miss a fairway. He's never going to miss a green. He's going to be in, in on every single hole. He's not going to give you any holes. Uh, and that's the guy that's just that's tough to beat. Obviously. You know, a lot of people would probably say Rory, uh, just because when he when he's on, he's he, he's arguably the arguably the best in the world, and he can just dominate dominate everything. But uh, I think Stenson. Anytime you play somebody in match play, it's never going to give you a hole. Uh, those guys are tough. Now we'll see with his health. Yeah. I know he's had a little 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 bit been a little bit banged up, so we'll see how that goes. But uh, those are always the guys. Even when I played, and when I see other others play in match play, those are those are no fun to play when they, when they keep putting that little white ball in in the fairway and on the green every hole. Yeah, that would drive me crazy too. That's how I feel when I play Pat. He just he's he's just always in the freaking fairway. Now he's barely he's barely to the short grass, like making it over right. past Lady T. So he's still always in the he's never really um, ball. That's um, where you've got to, that's where you've got to mentally defeat him. You've got to get over the He's got to mentally get, he get, in, get in his thrill. Yeah. Um, he needs you. Okay, he needs you as a coach, Josh. Yeah, I do. Um, I'm always available. <laughs> So you mentioned Bubba as potentially that last captain's pick. 
Uh, I was going to get your thoughts too on the on the on the three captains' picks already. What you think about them, and then as well as your guesses or what you think Captain Love is on the lookout for uh, at East Lake, and who you think that final pick might be. I think I think the first three were were, were probably pretty much no brainers. I'm sure some people some people would argue with with Fowler and, and probably the way the way or maybe even JB Holmes the way they play. But if you look at the way you know JB stepped up at the right time and, and played great, Kucher's been been rock solid. You know Fowler's Fowler's a great teammate. He can be paired he can be paired with anybody. Um, he's had some success you know in, in major championships and in big events. So he's not afraid of the moment. Um, you know, but Bubba struggled, so I think that's that's probably the the the, the knock against him. But uh, it'd be hard not to have to have that guy on your team. He's ranked, I still think he's ranked seventh in the world, if if I'm correct. I mean, yeah, uh, some somewhere seventh or eighth, somewhere in that range. I mean, it would be hard not to have that guy on your team. Uh, but I'd look out for Daniel Berger. I, I think that would be somebody that uh, I, I might he might have been one of my three picks and, and might be that final pick. I think he's uh, the, the type of guy the the USD still's got that kind of mentality, kind of like a Patrick. Or, Patrick Reed, a Jordan Speed, just a no fear mentality. Hits it hard, goes and finds it. Not afraid of anybody. And, and, and quite honestly, we got to get some young blood in there. We got to get some guys that are going to hopefully, uh, you know, carry that flag for for years to come. So um, I'd like I'd like to see him have a good week at East Lake, and I think it'd be hard not to pick. Well, you know, uh, we appreciate your time, Josh. Before we let you go, I wanted to ask you a couple quick thoughts too on East Lake. Um, you know, you've just done. A, you and Patrick have done an amazing job. His team has done an amazing job here in the last yeah. year or so. Uh, the guy's just playing lights out. So I, I, I can't even really ask you know what he thinks suits him well about Eastlake because I, I feel like right now he's just he's that player you talked about where they do everything really, really well. Um, but how do you think Eastlake? What type of player do you think Eastlake favors? Uh, and then are there any kind of sleepers out of those thirty guys that you think? Could, you come up and uh, and possibly win East Lake. Well, you've got to you've got to drive it well first and foremost. It, it's a long, big golf course, but the rough, the rough is is very penalizing. Uh, you've got to be able to work it both ways. I mean, there, there's quite a few uh, on the front nine. There's probably three or four holes that that move left to right, and then you've got also a couple that move right to left as well. So I mean, it's a uh, you've got to drive it well. If you drive it in the rough, there you're really going to struggle. It's that thick Bermuda rough, and you're coming into you know rock hard firm greens that have that have a ton of slope on it so you better be able to drive it drive it well um so you know obviously the, you get, you're going to look at the favorites of who's been playing of who's been playing well with whether it's Jason Day or Dustin Johnson or Patrick Reed but those type guys that have been playing well but um you know I, I guess I, I'm going to stick with my kind of my my rider cup pick I, I would really I think Daniel Berger's going to going to play well so uh, that's probably the yeah. kiss of death. He'll probably finish 30th out of 30. <laughs> I picked him. So I'm, I may be the worst fantasy golf player of, of all time, but, uh, you know, I, I think, he's, I think he's, uh, he seems to, to kind of pop, kind of pop up here and there. And, uh, it'll be interesting to see what, how, how he can get it done at East Lake, but you better, uh, like I say, you better drive it well and you better drive it farther. Yeah, well, that sounds good, man. We, uh, we, we're looking forward to seeing, uh, Patrick Reed playing at, at, at East Lake and especially at the Ryder Cup. I just feel like it's going to be, gonna be a good time pat and i can't wait to get there and hopefully you know you you uh you figure out a way to make it happen and we, we can hang out awesome I, I look forward to it i really appreciate you guys having me on happy to help uh at any time and uh f- figure out what uh what that punishment for peterson he need i need i need some uh better coaching advice there on him
Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're going to work on that. And and be sure and follow Josh on Twitter if you don't already. It's at Josh Gregory Golf. Um, check him out. And uh, Josh, you got anything else you need to plug, man? I know you got like a dozen sponsors or something you probably need to, to push <laughs> out there. I, I'm not a plugger. I'm not a self promoter. <laughs> Fortunately, my business is growing through word of mouth. I'm working with a lot of great guys. Good. Me, uh, made me look a lot smarter than I am, and I got some got some guys playing the Web.com finals this uh, next couple of weeks. Uh, and Kelly Craft and Carlos Ortiz and Hendrick Norlander. So hopefully, uh, hopefully those guys will, will, will get it done and uh, you know get get their cards back. And if not, they'll be on the Web.com next year, and they'll they'll get after it and and, and hopefully get back to the tour. But uh, no, very, very excited about it. Love love what I get to do. Love coaching. Uh, a 10-year-old kid as much as I do with some of the best in the world. So I'm very, very thankful to wake up every day and get to be a coach. And um, It's awesome, and uh, hopefully I keep making guys better. Well, that's awesome, man. We appreciate you being on the show and, and following along the Tour Junkies podcast. Appreciate what you did for Augusta and uh, bringing us the two national titles there. And I uh, wish you the best, the new coaching, and, and all the players. And uh, Maybe we'll see you in, in Minnesota. I, I sure hope so. Thanks, guys, so much for having me on. Y'all have a good rest of the day. Thanks, Josh. Right, thank you, Josh. All right, P. Perry, how you feeling, man? That was Josh Gregory, um, our buddy Josh. Grateful to you know for him to come on and spend some time with us. A guy who clearly you know knows the tour from a different perspective. That's what we wanted to bring. We've had tour players on, we've had caddies on, and we thought, hey, let's let's get a coach. And what better coach than the one who brought our hometown, the city of Augusta, to national championships at uh, at Augusta State University and Coach Patrick Reed. So. Uh, I thought that was pretty good, man. Pat, you uh, you have you enjoy the the Josh Gregory, Josh Gregory segment? No, I did. That was fun. Um, you know, no, you did. You, no, you did. I did. Yes, yeah. yes, I oh, did. Okay. Yes, I did. Um, ah, yeah. I've known Josh for for several years now, and a great guy. Um, got kind of a raw deal at SMU. I I don't think uh, whatever went down there just I thought it was a little bit unfair, but. I think that his career has taken uh, a good turn here, and it's it's kind of just interesting getting a perspective from sort of the coaching level. And I think it was, to me, when I think of a coach, at least for a pro tour player, I'm thinking of just like mechanics, you know, just just the actual swing and that kind of stuff. But he, he kind of takes a more of a holistic approach and and uh, getting these guys better for, for tournaments. So I, I thought it was interesting. I, I was... Uh, Pleasantly surprised, and we didn't have to do much talking. I mean, I know you were probably upset, but um, he he did a lot of talking. So, <laughs> no, I like that. We always like it when the guests answer the questions thoroughly. I think that's the best case scenario. Yeah. Um, we are taking ideas for John Peterson's driving range skill challenge. So, you know, Pat and I are pretty, you know, we're creative, but we might be tapped out on our creativity. So, I think it would be fun to come up with whatever challenge. Uh, we can have him do now this is also before we've even spoken to john so he may not be willing to do any of this but we're just going to say that he probably is and also we need to come up with the you know what we would have to do if he if he achieves that challenge and what what he would have to do if he did not so you know any ideas on that feel free to pass those along shoot them to us at the uh the tour junkies email you can go to the website tourjunkies.net and submit that form or you could call and leave us a voicemail or whatever you want to do that would be pretty fun so 
I thought that was some good stuff. And he also gave us some insight into Eastlake, which we can talk about in just a minute. But before we do, Pat, I want to I want to talk through a couple of announcements. First of all, you know, in the down season, in this time where PGA DFS is kind of bleh and everybody's focused on the NFL. Um, we do have some strategy shows. So the first one is out already. It's the GPP strategy show with Justin Van Zuden. Yes. Zuden, yeah. Uh, he is at STL Cardinals 84 on Twitter. He's a Roto Grinders guy. Justin has also won, you know, six figures this year in PGA DFS. So uh, we, we want to listen to him and pay attention to some of the things he had to say. And a lot of the things he had to say were actually different than what I have heard a lot of other people say. So um, he's contrarian to the contrarians, uh, but it was a, a smart guy, sharp show. And that is already out on the podcast feed on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, whatever you're doing. Check that out. That that is that is up and running. However, at some point this week, so before the Ryder Cup show, we will also release a second strategy podcast with our buddy Derek Farnsworth at RG underscore Notorious. So you guys know Notorious. He's a Rotor Grinders guy as well. Big time uh, player in NFL and PGA. He's definitely a sharp mind out there, but he loves playing PGA cash games and tends to you know, make, make his, uh, his Quan, his Cheddar, if you will, in the cash games. So we've got him coming on the show. He's going to be talking some strategy as well. So once that is up and running, be sure to check that out. Like I said, that will be out at some point this week, uh, probably after the Tour Championship gets going, and you're done listening to this podcast. So big shout-out to those guys at Roto Grinders for helping us out, and guys who have actually won a significant amount of money, which is always good. Um, also, we have a huge, huge announcement coming in one week, Pat. We, we've, been, we've been teasing it a little bit. But we have a big announcement coming in just one week. Uh, we are going to do a show next week. It will not be out until Tuesday morning. So if you normally are one of the early folks and you catch us on Monday night here in uh, in East Coast time zone world, um, you will not be able to do so. So, you know, uh, Tuesday morning you'll you'll wake up and there will be a, a big announcement in Tour Junkies land. We hope and uh, and pray that you guys are as excited about it as we are. Um, so we will do a Ryder Cup preview. Pat and I, obviously, we've mentioned are heading up to Hazeltine and going up to Minnesota, hang out with some friends up there, holler at you, Mooseonomics, going to go to the block party at Moose's house. That's going to be pretty fun. And then um, we've got, you know, a big announcement. So I'm really excited about that. Pat, do you do you have any, do you have any, uh, any more teasers with that or? Any other uh, announcements for you? I just, uh, I'm very excited as you are, and uh, it's been a long time coming. So, uh, just kind of ready to get it over with, to be honest. Um, ready, ready to get that announcement out there, and uh, and then head on to the Ryder Cup. So, um, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a great week. Yeah, but I, I'm with you. I'm ready to, it, ready to get it going. It has been a long time in the works. A lot of blood, sweat, tears, heart, and soul have gone into this announcement, and we're just thrilled about what is coming for the Tour Junkies. It's crazy what has happened in less than a year. 
We really appreciate your support. We appreciate uh, the listens. We appreciate the interaction on social media and such. You guys are the best. And uh, we love the, the PGA DFS community as a whole is a good one. And uh, as always, appreciate a lot of guys out there who kind of, you know, blaze the trail and, um, and have great content out there as well. So we're excited. It's going to be good stuff. So please queue up the show next week, even if you're not betting Ryder Cup or, you know, there's no, obviously there's no DFS for the Ryder Cup. Um, but just queue it up for that and, uh, and, and support us as much as you can on Twitter and social media after next week. It'll be good stuff. Anything else, Pat? Are we good? No, I'm good. I'm ready to. So those are the announcements, obviously, with the Josh Gregory interview, um, you know, pretty full show tonight. So we are going to get into the Tour Championship preview, the final tournament of the season, the FedEx Cup Championship uh, at Eastlake right here around the corner in Atlanta. Uh, we're going to preview the course, the weather as always, stats, pick some players, talk some strategy. But before we do that... Like we've done every week now for the past few weeks, we're going to do our TJ Hotline Bling segment, and tonight you get a twofer. We're not going to have a TJ Hotline Bling voicemail next week. We're going to skip it, so we're going to give you two this week, and they're two of the best ones we've had by far. One of them got in just because of humor and familial relations. Um, However, it was too long, but we let him slide. And the other one got in just because it's funny. So take note on, on these guys. We're going to listen to both of them back-to-back, and we'll comment in a minute. TJ Hotline Bling, check it out. Hey, guys. Josh from Rhode Island, loyal supporter of UGA. Not much college football up here in New England, so adopted your team by marriage. I love the podcast and proudly represent the Tour Junkies t-shirt. It's unfortunate, though, that you two decided to get all the shirts in a slim fit. I can't think of two groups of individuals less likely to need a slim-fitting T-shirt as daily fantasy players and golfers. I just hope my hand fits around that Yeti cup better than the T-shirt fits around my gut. Thanks for the great work each week. Go dogs! Okay, this is uh, Pat 2.0 calling on this Monday afternoon. It's a beautiful day, riding home from work. Uh, so my question is this for the tour junkies, Pat and David. Um, well, first of all, let me have you do this. Can you please Google Kirby Smart, the head football coach for the University of Georgia Bulldogs? So Google Kirby. Now that you have it on your screen, I want to ask this question. If David, on a home game, were to go out and run out onto the field before the players were to come out on the field and tackle Kirby Smart and throw him in that little fire hydrant thing that they keep the Ugga in, and then Pat were to run out on the field with the team with the red Georgia football polo and his one of his thousands of pairs of pleated khakis, would the fans... The players, the viewers on TV, would anybody notice the difference between Pat and Kirby Smart? Okay, that's my question. I'll see you boys next week at Hazeltine for the Ryder Cup. Pat 2.0 out. All right, so um, Cable Perry, Practice Perry. 
What do you think? What do you think about your brother saying you're like a, a Kirby Smart doppelganger? Well, you know, I've heard it before. He's not the first one to say that. So, um, but you know, he can be funny at times. I think he was on his game with with that call, and uh, I believe so. I believe so. He uh, that was a good call. Yeah, I look forward to seeing him next week. You know, we don't live in the same town, so uh, we'll see him at the Ryder Cup. But that that was good. Um, Kirby, I, 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 you know, obviously we know I'm a huge Bulldog fan, as are you. Um, but it for some reason people keep coming up to me thinking I look like Kirby. But I don't know. Maybe that's true. I don't know. Well, I do think if you look at Kirby without a hat on, if you can find a picture without a hat or a visor, and you throw it up next to the the LinkedIn mug that you got rocked rocking right now, it is it is it's pretty it's pretty remarkable. He's almost more of your twin than your twin is your twin. Wow, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. So no, I think you. I think we if we if we pull a van up by like Kirby's house and a bunch of people in like ski masks cop out and abduct him and throw you out there next weekend. In some, you know, any one of your assorted uh, pleated shorts or khakis um, and a dog's polo, no one will know a difference other than the fact that the dogs will get slaughtered. So do you you think I'll be able to use this to my advantage one day? Like, you know, like, hey, I'm Kirby. Give me some. I bet. You know what? Maybe if we go to Minnesota, people people in Minnesota probably won't know. So you you might could. And if they Google and they're like, dang, that is Kirby smart. I don't know. Maybe, Maybe. Hey, if. If anybody on this, you know, listening to us tonight, I, I did learn, and I texted you earlier that the dogs are playing at three thirty on Saturday, which is not ideal for me since I'm going to be, uh, you know, out at the Ryder Cup. But if anybody has any connections and can get us into maybe a suite or a box or something at the Ryder Cup where I can actually watch a TV, hey, hit us up. You know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, below asking for that. So, because this is the dog. You mean, you mean you're not above? Above, for that. above below, above, whatever. It, it is. It is debatable that you are below <laughs> asking for that. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, definitely do that. And you know, well, we are we we do plan on meeting up with some Georgia boys that are going up to to Minnesota that week. So that that should be fun. We'll we'll see you guys up there. You know, I did I did think of another announcement. We need to know if you are planning on attending the Safeway Open, which is the first event of the new season, the fall swing. Um, it escapes me where exactly that's being played. It's I can't remember. Napa. Do you remember, Pat? Napa Valley. Napa, that's right, Napa. Um, it is in Napa. So if you are heading to the Safeway at any point, practice round, tournament round, whatever, if you are doing that, please send us an email to uh, info at tourjunkies.net. That's info at tourjunkies.net. Send us a, an email. Let us know that you're going, when you're going, what days, and if there's anybody with your crew. Um, hashtag squad goals. And we will we have a special we have a special mission for you. We have a mission for you, and there is definitely something free in it for you as well if you do it. And you will be you will be part of the first that complete said mission. It's very secretive, top secret. Uh, but it would be a lot of fun, and we would love to see as many people as possible do this. So holler at us, info at tourjunkies.net, if you're going to the Safeway Open. Other than that, oh, well, we forgot our other our other TJ Hotline bling. Josh out of, out of Rhode Island, I thought it was a great 
um, a great a great voicemail. It was very funny. He's a dogs fan up in New England, so props to him for doing that. Apparently by marriage, so he he obviously married a beautiful southern southern belle, which you and I know know about those. Um, and he he's not happy with the fit of the shirt, and it was it was funny. It was a funny comment. You know, talking about DFS players and football fans not fitting into the slim fit all that much. So, note taken, Josh. Hey, note taken. I'm sorry. He could, he, truer words could not have been spoken by him. I mean, <laughs> I was thinking the same thing when they came out. You know? I mean, come on. Well, um, let's, let's yeah, cater we to the, uh, let's cater to, you know, the real look, people out there. Here's the deal, Josh. Um, as you probably have already guessed, Pat does nothing other than show up to this show and do research prior. So when it's all your boy, it just happens how it happens. So you just, you know, I'm sorry. Uh, like I said, note taken. It was our first time ordering T-shirts. Uh, we'd never done it before. We just found a high-quality material that wouldn't be, like, super thick and hot and, you know, make you make you sweat more than you probably already sweat. And we didn't want it to be like too boxy that your wife is like, why, why the hell are you wearing that out? You look retarded. So we, you know, we just did what we could do. It was our first run. Give, give us a break, man. Maybe next time we'll, we'll have a different sizing. We'll, we'll give you a sizing chart. How about that? <laughs> but thanks for the thanks for the voicemail, nonetheless. And yes, if you if you leave a voicemail and you get on the show for the TJ Hotline Bling segment from now until the end of the year. You will get a chance to win a Tour Junkies Yeti, and uh, and Josh was hoping that Yeti fits around his paws better than that shirt fits around his gut. And I, my guess is Josh that it will. So keep that in mind. Keep sending in the TJ Hotline Bling voicemails at seven zero six six addict seven zero six six addict. All right, all that stuff out of the way. Pat, you ready to get into some Tour Championship at East Lake? I am. I mean, we got all of 30 players to talk about, so we could probably mention yes. every single one if we wanted to. No, let's not do that. Too yeah. long. All let's, right. Let's, let's move Get on. Get into the uh, – tell us about the golf course. Uh, maybe recap some of the things Josh Gregory talked about. I know you've played there because you're privileged, and you have those privileged eyes, and you you know you just play courses that are privileged. A lot of us normal peasant people have never never been able to play. So you can talk about that. Talk about the weather, as always, the weather-wise, and then we'll get into some stats and some picks and strategy for the week. Well, yeah, so this week we're at the Tour Championship, uh, closing it out in Atlanta, Georgia, at East Lake, East Lake, good Lord, I can't even talk, East Lake Golf Club, 7,385 yards, so a long one, par 70. This is a Donald Ross design this week. Um, you got, as you said, I've played out here, and I'm going to tell you right now, the fairways are tight. Uh, the rough is very penal. You do not want to go in the rough. Um, so I think driving accuracy is key this week. But you're going to have to be, you know, you're going to have to be able to hit the ball fairly long off the tee. So total, total driving, you know, taking in both account on uh, accuracy and, and driving distance to me is a, is a big deal. But you got Bermuda Greens. I really think you're going to have to putt well this week. If you look at uh, you know the finishers over the last few years, again, total driving, driving accuracy, and putting have been key. Also, scrambling around the greens is uh, right up there as well with the way this rough is. Um, looking at the weather this week, it is absolutely beautiful. Uh, there is 
No issues. Finally. Yeah, at this point, I don't see any issues. I don't see any rain. I think the winds are going to be mild, so I, don't, I wouldn't worry about playing a specific wave or anything. I mean, this is uh, its just absolutely gorgeous. If I was going to pick a weekend to go on a guy's trip to go play golf for four days, this would be it. I mean, it's, it just looks perfect right now. Past champions, uh, you had Jordan Spieth last year in 2015. You had Billy Horschel, our, our boy. Uh, who was on the podcast a few weeks ago. He won in 2014, as well as the FedEx Championship. Uh, you had Henrik Stenson in 2013, Sneds in 2012, and Bill Haas in 2011. You know, if you look at the past champions here, other than Spieth and maybe Stenson, you really haven't gotten, like, you know, the top five in the world that have, that have won this and then gone on to win the FedEx Cup. So I kind of find that a little bit interesting, and maybe you, you bring that a little bit into your strategy this week. Um, although, for me, strategy-wise, it's like throwing darts. I mean, it's kind of who knows I mean, what's going to happen. I mean, this is, uh, you got 30 guys, no cut. It's not one of the weeks that I, I would really throw a ton of money at because I think you're going to have to be perfect, as we talk about all the time when, with no-cut events, and this is even more you know, minuscule with the amount of players that are out there. Um, so I'm not going to be throwing a ton of lineups out there. I'll probably be playing some GPPs as I normally do. But, you know, again, it's 30 players. So you, you got to be dead on perfect. And uh, we'll, we're going to try to provide some good advice this week. But but uh, we're winding down on the season and getting ready for the Ryder Cup. And then we'll we'll get the fall swing going here in a few weeks. So. That's that's about all I got as far as uh, a quick preview there, DB. All right, so uh, I want to reiterate, yeah, the strategy for the week. Um, obviously, no cut event, thirty man field. It's not one of my favorite weeks to play. And I will say, I've heard a lot of a lot of the pros talk about not playing cash games this week. So maybe we'll just zig when everyone else is zagging and play some cash games this week. I, I think, you know, if you do, you you stick to guys who can score the lights out of the place. Um, it is a tough golf course, so it's it's one of the tougher golf courses on tour uh, every year. Last year, I think it was like 17th out of 52 courses. Um, so it's not an easy course, but scoring is is out there. Um, so I think you pick some scores in a cash game. There is a lot of variability, that's for sure. But you may have less sharps out there in some of the cash games. For me, I'm going to be targeting a lot of the single entry GPPs. I've had some success with those lately. I've had I've had a good run here in the last three or four tournaments with uh, some GPPs. So, and a lot of them with single entry or three max uh, uh, three max entries. You know, Pat and I are not high volume players. Listen. We don't make enough money uh, doing this, if, if at all, <laughs> to to be able to play some of these high stakes games. Um, it just is what it is. Now we research like we are, but but we don't we, we can't get into a lot of those. But I've had a lot of success with these single bullets or three max entries. So that that'll be what I'm looking at. And as far as strategy, it's tough. I mean, I, with 30 guys, you do you have to have the winner without a doubt. You, Without a doubt, to, to even come close to to probably cashing, you have to have the winner. Like 
typically in like the Millie Maker, you have to have the winner to win to you know to to place uh, uh, you know top ten or whatever. But I mean, in this, you're going to have to have the winner to pretty much cash. So um, it's hard to avoid the top tier guys just because of that reason. But I do think there's going to be some some void in that mid range. So we'll talk about that in a second. So in a GPP, if, if you're playing a few lineups, I would just differentiate completely and fade almost the entire top crowd. Pat, I really don't want to go like salary, you know, range by salary ranges because there's so few players. But yeah, I'm with you. Right off the top, there are three guys in the top that I just, you know, I really love, and that's DJ Jordan Spieth and Adam Scott. I think. I could easily see Spieth repeating here. You know, Gregory, Josh Gregory talked about the rough here. You've mentioned offline the rough, um, you know, being nasty. So, being you know, being accurate off the tee is important. If DJ's driving the ball like he's been driving the ball, which I, I you know, couldn't see why not, I think he's clearly the favorite to win. But I think Spieth is, a, um, is also looking to play well here and, and defend the title, uh, having won here last year. I think that means that means a good bet. And then Adam Scott, I mean, he's got three fourth place finishes in a row uh, this you know this season. So, you know, I, th- those are kind of the three guys I like in a GPP. I, I think I would play Jason Day. I mean, we know how dramatic the guy is. We know that there's always something, you know. I've got a sniffle. I've got, you know, um, I've got a pimple in my nose, like on the inside of my nose. That's really, really sore, and it's it's inhibiting my my rotation through the, the through the the swing. It's you know, Ellie was in a car accident that last night. You know, it was a, basically a fender bender. I mean, there's all kind of things that Jason Day comes out with before a tournament, but then he shows up. So. In a GPP, if you're only going to play a few lineups, I would either play Jason Day and all Jason Day, or I would just fade the whole top half, like after after Jason Day or after Adam Scott. That's that's what I would do. What about you? Yeah. What's your well, strategy? Um, I'm actually with you here a little bit. I, I you know, my favorite guy though in this category is actually Speed. I, I just feel like. From a GPP standpoint, he's probably going to be lower owned, um, and I, I could I could see him. I think he can win. I mean, it's uh, again, it's Jordan Spieth, and um, you got to be a little bit different here. And I think, like you said, with Jason Day, um, you know, for me, Spieth is a guy that is you know, Rory's going to be I think pretty highly owned. DJ's going to be highly owned just based off a of recent form. Um, Day's going to be lower owned because of this injury concern. And I love Scott this week. I think he's, um, you know, you mentioned three straight top four finishes, but he's also won here before and has three other top tens here. Um, did not play last year, but was ninth the year before. So to me, if you're looking just above the the 10,000 category, you know, for me, Scott, Spieth, and uh Probably day or my favorite picks, just because I'm going to be. I don't know. It's like throwing darts for me this week. I mean, I I think you just gotta try to differentiate yourself as much as you can, and um, like you said, probably get hopefully get the winner. But there's only 30 players in this field, so um, for me, my top guys speed, and I'm probably going to play them in every single lineup and just see what happens. 
Yeah, I, I think DJ and Adam Scott are the two highest owned in this category. So if you just want to, you know, if you just want to pivot off of that, that's who I think. I, I don't know that the top half or this top tier is really where you differentiate because with only 30 players, I mean, there's going to be so many lineups with somebody out of this group that the percentages to me will be up there, which is why I think another strategy is just to fade the whole top, you know, uh, top tier guys anyway and, and just hope that you pull, you know, something out of your, your bunghole. But anyway, that's, that's just one, one, one thought. You know, going down, Paul Casey, who I think is going to be a fairly chalky play, um, but I, I like him nonetheless at 9,500. He's in fantastic form with back-to-back second-place finishes. He's finished fifth here last year and fourth in 2010 at Eastlake. Uh, you talk about a guy who can hit it long enough and also accurate and tee to green. There's there's hardly any better than Paul Casey. So if you were going to fade that top tier, I start with Paul Casey, and I like I like that a lot. Um, another guy down there that I'm I'm digging is Phil Mickelson. I, I kind of feel like Phil's surprisingly for Phil a little under the radar. I mean he's he's not in fantastic form, but he has won here before. Hasn't played here since 2013, but. Uh, always a solid finisher. His worst finish uh, in in seven years here is twenty second. Um, you know, with three top tens and uh, five top fifteens. I don't mind Phil at all. And then, just because I'm going to be contrarian, to me Jimmy Walker is interesting. I, I think the there's some correlation to Augusta here. And I feel like Augusta sets up well for Jimmy. He's He's got a 13th and a third in his last two tournaments. Um, you know, he's got a, an 18th last year and a 17th year before at Eastlake. But Ryder Cup's locked up for Jimmy. He's had a great year. I, I could see him being pretty low owned. That's probably the, the biggest reason in that seven range. Um, I, I kind of like Jimmy Walker. Oh. Yeah, I debated about Jimmy Walker. I, I think, I just don't know. Um, I mean, he doesn't have particularly great course history here. So that would worry me a little bit just because I'm probably weighting that a little more heavily. But Yeah, but um, it's not it's not terrible. I mean, everybody well, at this tournament. it's not terrible because, it, I mean, he's 18th and 17th the last couple of years, but there's only 30 people in the field, so. Again, this is I'm I'm basically saying this is a differentiator for me. I mean, I I think I think Jimmy's going to be fairly low owned. I mean, he's he's right there with Russell Knox, who everybody's been on a good bit. Gary Woodland, who I'd also like Woodland as well, but I could see him being higher owned. Actually, Jimmy and Charles Schwartzel are two right there in that upper sevens. I like I like Charles too at seventy seven hundred, but I'll quit making picks. I don't want to steal any more of your thunder. No, I mean. I'm okay with you there, but I, I, you know, even though I think he is probably going to be pretty chalk this week, I do like Russell Knox at 8,000. Um, you know, checks the box for me on scrambling, obviously driving accuracy. Um, has played well this year, pretty good recent form. So to me, I think Russell Knox is probably one of my favorite plays right there in that range. Um, you know, I also think, again, I don't know, I mean, Hideki Matsuyama always seems to get overlooked a little bit, and I think it's just because it's putting. But, you know, I wouldn't sleep on him this week either. Um, you know, he's been pretty solid lately. Um, 
I think this is a this is a course he can play well on. So to me, at that price at eighty six hundred, it's it's pretty good. But um, those are probably two of my favorite guys right there in the eight thousand range, at least. I know we're not trying to you know keep it in in ranges, but you know I, I like those two. And then I'm a bigger fan of you know dropping down when you go down into the seven thousand range. I think Kevin Chapel at seventy two hundred is a great play this week, especially from a GPP standpoint. You know, he has had just a sneaky, solid season, and nobody wants to, you know, really give him that much credit. Um, and he's never played here before, so you you don't have any course history to go off of. But, again, checks the box on strokes gain, tee to green, total driving. I think he's just a, a great GPP play. So, uh, you know, it's 7,200. I, I want to put him in some, in some lineups this week. Also, Daniel Berger at 7,000. I think that is a uh you know he was 12th last year here uh has obviously been on pretty good recent form uh, and you got a little bit of the Ryder Cup narrative cuz I think he possibly could be that that last pick that's going to come out next week so um for me Berger I, I want to try to get in some lineups just you know because I think you know again he's just uh he's been playing solid and there's there's a little bit of that Ryder Cup narrative for him well, now, Berger, I'm, I'm with you. I love Daniel Berger this week. Now, he is as chalky as it gets. Like He's He might be chalky. the chalkiest play Probably. of the week. I've heard a lot of people talking about him. At 7,000, I think the value is too good. I, I think you, you play him. I think the Ryder Cup thing is, is real. I think he is actually I, – I feel like it's him and Bubba, and it's just – I think Bubba has an edge, but I think Berger's the only guy that can really catch him uh, as far as uh, Davis Love is concerned. So Berger, I, I don't care, chalk or not, 7,000 is an incredible value. I think he's a lock in cash games. Um, the there, the Kevin Chapel. I looked at Kevin Chapel. What I like about Kevin Chapel is he's a scorer. So, you know, guaranteed four rounds. I don't mind it. My favorite play is actually a, a slight pivot above him, and that is Roberto Castro. Roberto Castro is a par four scorer. He uh, he can scramble, and the guys he lives in Atlanta currently. He's a he's a Georgia Tech grad. He's familiar with East Lake. He tweeted out like maybe I guess it was a week or two ago when he realized he locked up. Uh, the tour championship basically said he was happy to be coming back to a home course he was familiar with. I think Roberto Castro is a good GPP pivot off of you know Kevin Chapel, who I do think people will like just because of the scoring aspect. And JB Holmes, who's obviously a, a larger name, Ryder Cup guy, seventy four hundred. I think Castro would be pr- fairly low owned down there. So, and I haven't heard a lot of people talking him up. So Castro is one of my favorite plays. I've I've ridden him before this year, and it's paid off. So. He's actually one of my favorite plays. And then Berger in the sevens, uh, 7,000. And then, you know, in the sixes, there's a few guys. Um, I mean, Grillo at 6,900 seems pretty cheap. He's absolutely a total driving guy. But not in the best form for Grillo and for the Tour Championship, all things considered. One of my favorites is actually Johnny Johnny Vegas. I mean, he's he's a bomber. This is a long golf course. He's gonna have you're gonna have a lot of approach shots in that 175 to 200 range. I think you can score, take advantage of the you know I think there's only two par fives on this course, but take advantage of the par fives. I don't mind Johnny V at 6,600. I also think he'll be fairly low, low owned. So I think Ryan Moore is going to be a popular play, one of the one of the, the highest owned players in that group. 
Um, so I think a little Johnny V and well, I'll stop there. I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you round it out, and then I'll come back. Well, you just mentioned the guy that I, I love here is Ryan Moore. Um, I, uh, th- uh, uh, I think I he's going to be like highly Johnny owned, v. but I think you if yeah, you know, he's the type guy to me that could win this tournament and 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 win you some cash. So, I mean, he's only played in the, at East Lake twice, and he's finished third and ninth. So, and then you look at his last you know few events. He's won. He's had two other top tens. Uh, has just played great this year. I think this is a definitely a course that he's he's going to play well on. So for me at 6800, I'll probably 100% own Ryan Moore. I don't care what his ownership's going to be, I'm still going to own him. Um you know, and then I I kind of like a little Siwoo Kim at 6700. Um checks the box for me at scrambling and total driving. Uh people always tend to forget about this guy, but again, he won a few weeks ago. This is his first time at Eastlake, but I think he'll be a great GPP play this week. So I think Siwoo Kim at 6,700 is another guy that I would play. And that's probably about it. I do love Kiz down at the very bottom, which shocks me at 6,100. You always love Kiz. Yeah, and he, look, he played terrible here last year. He he basically finished last because our, our boy, Mr. Deuce Tyson, the Mr. Withdrawal, withdrew from the tournament. but um. I'm looking for a bounce back from Kiz this week. So it's 6,100, very bottom. I got to put him in a lineup. So there you go. That's it for me. Yeah. I mean, Kisner, just name value. You look at that and go, dang, Kisner's the cheapest guy in the, in the field. I got to take him. So for that reason, I think my favorite play in the sixes, other than Johnny V, is actually Sean O'Hare. Only, only only because of ownership like Sean O'Hare will easily be I mean he'll be he'll be a little higher owned just because a lot of people I think are going to go studs and duds so there's going to be some guys here at the bottom but I think between Kisner McGirt Duffner Nah I think Sean O'Hare is easily the lowest owned guy out of that bottom range so as people start filling in rosters I think he's going to get he's going to get the lowest owned if you want reasons for Sean O'Hare he's actually 21st on the PGA Tour in birdie average. We know that Sean O'Hare can score. He's 22nd in driving distance for the year, so he's, he's long enough to, to get it out there. 53rd in greens and regulation, which is probably upper end of the field here uh, at Eastlake, considering there's only 30 players. So, you know, he's also a black belt in karate or something, so whatever. I mean, that, that might be worth something, a quarter of a stroke, maybe. <laughs> What do you think? Um, I don't know. My, my boys are doing karate right now, and that's tough. It's tough stuff. I'm, I'm grasping for straws here with Sean O'Hara, but it's, it is, at this point with a 30-man field, it is seriously just grasping for low ownership. So if, if O'Hare finishes top 10 and, you know, he's like sub 8%, then, or 6%, like, good on you. You probably did it right. Am I the only so, one surprised that um, Sean O'Hare is in the top thirty? Yes. No. I, I look at I looked at the field. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, I, he's actually 25th in, in FedEx Cup FedEx Cup points. And he also I play, mean, I mean, he played in 26 events, but still, a lot of guys played in that many events. But I, I don't know. I don't know how it happened either. I think he I think he karate chopped somebody. 
or something to get in. I mean, also I mean, Johnny. I mean, your boy Johnny Vegas kind of surprised me that he was up there. I mean, Mister First Round Leader, Second Round Leader, dude. Johnny V. I mean, Johnny V won an event this year. I mean, it wasn't like all right. Well, I, I can understand that, but but O'Hare he won the just, Canadian Open. O'Hare just I don't get. What did he do? Like I don't even. I don't know. Well, he finished second a few weeks. That's why he finished second like three or four weeks ago. A Barclays or something? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that one kind of is, is weird to me. But again, that's why I think low ownership. So I think you play Sean O'Hare. It is just a. It is like you said. It's a crapshoot. It's a throwing darts kind of weekend. It is what it is. I feel um, like they need to change how they do this system. It just doesn't seem to reflect all the top guys and how they're they're playing. I don't. I don't know. I mean, look at Kiz. I mean, as much as I love Kiz, I mean, he was, he's really kind of living off of what he did, you know, late last year with a win, but he hadn't really played that great this year. And, uh, I mean, he's been playing better lately. Um, you know, he's made his last, what, six, seven straight cuts, but I don't know. Maybe maybe that's a conversation for another day. But. Yeah, I think it is. I think it is. We've We've gone long enough. Well, you know, obviously not as enthusiastic about this week considering the field and the DFS plays at hand, but we do wish all of you the best and may your screens be green and all that stuff, but we're just not that into it, to be honest with you. We'll just go ahead and own that. So enjoy. we hope you enjoy the Josh Gregory interview. Um, you know, we did some. We did, I did a fair amount of research on who a lot of the sharps were on for this week, just trying to find some contrarian plays because I think that's the only way you really make it worth your while this week. But definitely would recommend scaling down on the bankroll and, um, you know, just yeah, don't, having some don't fun go all with it. it. You know, no. save save some money for the fall swing or some NFL. Yeah. Or something, you know. The Safeway Open Tigers return. You know, we didn't talk about that. Tigers coming back. 100% ownership. We just need to know if you're going to the Safeway Open. That's what we need to know. We need to know if you're going. We don't We don't give a rip about Tiger Woods going. We want to know if you're going to the Safeway Open. Tell us. Let us know. <laughs> All right, so thanks again for downloading the Tour Junkies podcast brought to you by Roto Grinders. Um, it's, it's good stuff. Check out rotogrinders.com. Premium membership is off the chain. And uh, again, cue it up. We've got Notorious coming out this week with a cash game strategy. And next week, Ryder Cup preview and huge, huge Tour Junkies announcement. Cue it up. Thank you, guys. See ya. Oh. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. 
Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits. So you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply.